just a recognition to those who gave their lives for us in the military who served our country and who have served it faithfully and to give recognition to those families that have lost those loved ones. But every Memorial Day, I also want to bring focus, bring our focus to the one who sacrificed it all, and his name is Jesus. And that's the reason we live, that's the reason that we're here today to celebrate what he has done in our lives. And so if you'll take your Bible this morning, and you'll take your Bible, turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. Hold your place there, we're going to be there in a few minutes. And um, I want to ask Michael Hughes, will you do me a favor, and will you grab my, my podium? Um, so um, anyway, we're continuing our sermon series today called Oxygen. Oxygen is the essential for life. If we don't have oxygen, we don't live. And uh, how many of you are finding it easy to breathe these days? Anybody? Nobody's finding it easy to breathe these days. We're all out of shape, right? And I'm talking about not just physically breathing, but I'm talking about finding it easy to breathe in life. And uh, life is good. Uh, There's no pressure. Spiritual life is in order. You're, You're on the right page with God. You're going the right direction. And uh, God's just filling your life full of everything that you need. And that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. But here, just for a minute, let me talk to you about physical breathing. See, on average, you and I breathe about 16 breaths per minute. So I read this stuff, and I, um, I didn't have a whole lot of proof. So I tested it out. So I sat at my kitchen table with my iPad, with my phone, and I set my timer. And I just tried to breathe easy. You know what I found? When you're trying to breathe easy, it's hard to breathe easy. Just it's one of those things that happens in the mind. You, you start breathing a little fast. And, and then when I found that I wasn't, I wasn't like on average, I'd start breathing a little faster so I could catch up. But I did it enough times to figure out that on average we breathe about 16 breaths per minute. That means we breathe about 960 per hour, 23,040 per day. 161,280 breaths per week. That's over 8,386,000 breaths per year. And if you live to be 80 years old, that means you will breathe an average of 670 million breaths in your lifetime. That's a lot of breathing. There you go. It's a lot of breathing and it's a lot of work that our lungs have to do to keep us going and keep us working and keep us moving. That's a lot of oxygen that we're taking in and that's good because oxygen is essential for life. Did you know that it's so essential for life that after one minute of not breathing, survival is possible but brain cells begin to die? After three minutes of not breathing, serious brain damage is likely and after... Ten minutes of not breathing, many brain cells have died, and a person is likely is, is, is not likely to recover. After 15 minutes of not breathing, recovery is virtually impossible. So what you see is oxygen is essential for life. And just as oxygen is essential for physical life, prayer is our spiritual oxygen. It is essential for spiritual life. And you might want to write that down in the notes I provided for you today is that prayer is the oxygen for our spiritual life. And today we're going to talk about prayer. Over the next two weeks we're going to talk about prayer. And what we want to do is we want to give you some practical ways to understand prayer, to implement it into your life. And so today we're just very simply going to lay out a little bit about what prayer is. And you, you may know what prayer is. You may not fully understand prayer. I'm constantly learning about 
what prayer is and how to pray better and, and to, to be more intentional about my prayer life. But I want us to think just for a minute about spiritual breathing and then think about it in terms of physical breathing, kind of contrasting those things. So in terms of prayer, ask yourself this question. How am I breathing? Ask yourself that question. How often do you pray? Do you pray enough? And here's a way that might put it into perspective. How would you be doing if you physically breathed like you pray? Uh Uh-huh. Or how about this? How would you be doing if you prayed like you breathed? Kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Prayer is essential for life. It is just as essential for life as the oxygen we breathe into our lungs that keeps our mind clear, keeps our mind focused, and keeps us functioning every day in our lives. And so it's something to consider. When it comes to prayer, I really relate to a guy's name is Richard Foster, and he wrote, he wrote a book on prayer. He didn't write the book on prayer, but he did write a book. It's called Prayer. And in that book, he wrote, he wrote these words. He says, we today, we yearn for prayer and we hide from prayer. We're attracted to it and repelled by it. We believe prayer is something we should do, but it seems like a chasm stands between us and actually praying. We experience the agony of prayerlessness. So I started asking myself this question, and not just about you guys, because, you know, it'd be very easy for me to, to preach to you and say, why do you struggle with prayer? And you look back to me and say, because I'm not the preacher. Preachers are special. Preachers have this special connection with God and just know how to pray. And let me just tell you, that's not true. I struggle with prayer like you do. First of all, because I'm selfish and I think I can do it on my own. I've had to come to that conclusion. I didn't realize that right off the bat, you know, but I've got to realize I struggle with prayer many times because I'm just in control and I've got this thing figured out. And if I need God's help, I'll let him know. Because after all, he has invited us to come boldly before the throne and I come boldly before the throne. And if you ask anything in my name, I will answer. That's what he says, right? Sometimes we take those words and we believe them in a way that it wasn't actually intended to believe. But I would say that most of us struggle in our prayer life. And here are some reasons why we first struggle in our prayer life because we're not a disciple. And a disciple is simply a follower of Jesus Christ. We're, we're a follower of Christ. We're pursuing Him. We're trying to grow in our relationship with Him. But if we're not a child of God, if we haven't established that yet, established that relationship, we find it hard to pray because it's hard to talk to someone we don't know. And then there's another reason. It's that we're distanced by ongoing sin and we've drifted far away from God and it's difficult to talk to someone who we've possibly offended and we're living a life that's contrary to their values. We don't have much of a connection and so there's distance between us. And then simply there's a lack of discipline. We're just not in that place where our lives are kind of out of control. There's not discipline to come before God and spend that time in prayer and we've never maybe seen it work and so therefore we don't pray and maybe we don't understand it and we don't know how and then last is that we don't praise because we're full of doubt and we've had a hard time believing that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth could really care about us, one of about seven billion people on the planet. 
And so to us, God has become this very distant being. He's the Lord of all creation, of all the earth, but He's too busy running the universe to really care about what's going on in in my life. And I just want to tell you that those are popular beliefs and things that keep us distant from God, but they're all deceptions. They're all schemes the enemy uses to cause us to believe those things instead of believing the truth about who God really is. And so when I think about prayer, I think about an experience I had that draws me to a man named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. And I want to look to Jeremiah as our model for prayer this morning because I relate to Jeremiah, and many of you will relate to Jeremiah. However, you're not a prophet. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet, but he was just a regular dude. He was just like you and I. He was a young guy. He was about 17 years old when he got this call from God, these words from God that he was going to be a prophet. And what you have to know about a prophet is they had a specific calling. They had a calling to go to the people and speak on God's behalf. And so we're talking about the children of Israel, specifically the people of Judah. The kingdom of Israel had been split in 922 B.C. The kingdom of Israel was split into two because of rebellion and because of a desire for power. And the kingdom was split like a lot of churches split down the middle. The kingdom split. You had Israel, you had Judah. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to Judah. And so he goes and he speaks on God's behalf. Many times it's speaking things that are very uncomfortable. Like, hey, God says unless you repent, he's going to destroy you. Just simple words like that. You know, that's the the work of a prophet. But he had another task. It was to spend time with God every single day. Because unless he spent time with God every single day, he didn't know what to say to the people. That was the task of a prophet. And so today we come to our, to our passage here in, in Jeremiah. And we're going to look, I'm going to give you a couple of verses from chapter 1. But here's, here's what prayer is. And so you've got to get this definition before we move on. Prayer is simply this. Prayer is freely and constantly engaging with God in your relationship with Him. It's freely and constantly engaging with God in your relationship with Him. Prayer is not about repetitive words. It's not about religion or obligation. Prayer is a relational thing. It's about a relationship with God. I don't talk to my wife. Some of you guys do this. You talk to your wife because you have to talk to her. I talk to my wife because we've just got this thing going on, man. We just, we just flow like that. We've got this relationship where there's intimacy and there's love and there's care. Kind of building it up a little bit. It's not perfect. But she's taught me, actually, how to, how to communicate freely and engage with her in a relationship. That's what a relationship is about. It's about freely and constantly engaging with one another. Prayer is about freely and constantly engaging with God in our relationship with Him. The key word is relationship. So prayer is communicating with God, it's talking to God, and then listening to what God has to say. So Jeremiah chapter 33 is where we're going to be, but this is how it started in chapter 1. You probably know these words. It says, Now the, the word of the Lord came to me, saying... So stop right there. Go back to that, that screen, if you will. The word of the Lord came to me, saying... So, so God is, is the one who's initiating the conversation. The word of God came to Jeremiah, saying... And this is what he says. He says this. He says, Before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. I consecrated you. I appointed you 
as a prophet to the nations. And then it goes on. Jeremiah says this, Then I said, So the word of the Lord came to me saying, Then I said, So do you see the dynamic of a relationship? This is a dialogue. This is communication here. It's not just him talking. It's not just him listening. This is back and forth communication. He says, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold. Behold. And he says, I need to get your attention. I want you to take note. I want you to notice. I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Goes back to God. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand, and he touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. That's how it began with Jeremiah. Well, Jeremiah, you can imagine, has this this intimate, personal time with the Lord of all creation, the God of heaven and earth, the one who created the universe. He's got this ongoing communication and God reaches out and he touches his mouth. And you can imagine the the affirmation, the confidence that Jeremiah has to be a prophet, the, the, uh, the reality of youth begins to fade into the background and this empowerment begins to come forth and he feels like he can conquer the world because he just had an intimate relationship with God. But if you look at Jeremiah's life and you look at his ministry, what you'll find out is Jeremiah ministered and prophesied to this nation for over 40 years and never one time did he get to see any of his successes come to reality. He never got to see the fruit of his ministry come before his eyes. He never got to see people repent from their sin, turn back to God and establish a relationship that was holy and healthy as God so desired. He never got to see it. And from my experience, and in my mind, that that would knock the wind out of a man's sails to not see the fruit of your labor. But Jeremiah experienced it and it threw him into a tailspin emotionally, spiritually. But what you'll find is that he, he, he stayed faithful. But Jeremiah believed that God was the ultimate. His belief about God was that he was the God of Israel and Judah, that he was the creator of all things, and that he was all-powerful, that he was the everlasting God. And he said this in verse 10, he said, in, in chapter 10, verse 6, actually, he said, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Verse 10, he says, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. And so he's praising God, and he has in his mind who God is, and he's looking past his circumstances and looking to the Creator King and giving Him honor and worthy, worthiness and praise and glory where it's due. And from those words, it seems that Jeremiah was a spiritual or a super spiritual being, but Jeremiah was as human as they come. Jeremiah 32, verse 2 and 3, this is, picks up in the middle of Jeremiah's ministry, and this is what it says. The army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the guard that was in the palace of the king of Judah. So God's people took God's prophet and threw him into prison. And it says in verse 3 that Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned him, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am giving this city into your hands, or into the hand of the king of Babylon, 
and he shall capture it. So they took, they took Jeremiah and threw him into prison because he was speaking these words over the people that unless they turned back to God, God was going to take them and God was going to allow them to come into captivity and be under the rule of Babylon. They were going to lose their freedom. They were going to lose their identity. And they were going to live in slavery yet once again. So those are the words that God told him. King didn't like it. Took him and threw him into prison. But it was in the dark confines of prison that Jeremiah, where he was alone and he was hopeless and he was helpless and he was lonely and he was desperate, they heard these words. Chapter 33, verse 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. While he was shut up in the court of the guard, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. So I think God wanted him to know that this was the Lord talking. It's the Lord. Hey, Jeremiah, this isn't an angel of the Lord. This is the Lord, the creator of the universe, the one one who knew you when you were in your mother's womb, who created you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. I'm talking to you. So he established who it was that was talking. Then he said these words. He says, call to me and I will answer you. And will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. And that one verse is what I want to talk to you about here for the next few minutes about prayer. This verse has a lot of weight for me. Because in my prayerlessness, in my loneliness as a pastor through some difficult times the past few years... God came to me and he gave me this verse, Jeremiah 33, 3. And what is so interesting about it is that God gave me this verse, Jeremiah 33, 3, at 3.33 a.m. one morning. And he said, Brian, I want you to come into the living room. I want to show you something. And I said, no, God, I'm not coming in there. You can speak to me right here. I'm all ears. You understand, right? Long story short, I go into the living room and I say, God, what do you want to show me? And God didn't really show me anything. He just told me, just trust me. That's all he said. That's it. That's all. Just trust me. That's it. I'm like, God... I told you I'm all ears. You could have spoken that really quickly. I was laying there. I could have gone right back to sleep. But God wanted to see my feet move. And he wanted to see my heart follow. And he wanted me to get real clear on my hands, on my face before God. The couch in my living room for him to just say, just trust me. You know what I think God was saying to Jeremiah when he says, call to me and I will answer? I think he was just saying, hey, Jeremiah, just trust me. I'm the, I'm the Lord of heaven and all of the earth. I'm the one who created it and I'm the one who established it. I know what's happening to my people. I know what's going on. I didn't call you to change them. I didn't call you to make them do it. I just called you to be a messenger, to go and tell the people what I had to say. 
Just trust me. That's it. And so what I get from those verses and what I've experienced is that, is that prayer is this. Is that the God of the universe has extended an invitation. It's an invitation to us all to call out to Him in prayer. He's extended the invitation. He says, hey, I'm the Lord of heaven and earth. Yes, I created the galaxies. I created the universe. I created this planet that you call home. That you are an earthling. And yes, I'm the God of the universe. But I established it. And I also created you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you for a purpose. That's what he has to say to you. And if God ordains you for a purpose, God is all ears and God's heart is all in for relationship with you. He's called us all to call out to him in prayer. And when you read that word call out, there is no inkling, no, uh, no uh, word that inclines us to believe that there is anything remotely close to God calling us to whisper to him in prayer if you whisper he'll hear it there's nothing in there that tells us that we should just have good holy pure thoughts about God and just think good things in our heart about God though God knows every thought that we have I believe that God called us to do more than whisper and think God called us to call out he saw exactly where Jeremiah was and he said Jeremiah call out to me and I will answer you know what i find when i call out is when i'm desperate i call out when i'm desperate remember when i was a kid i would i would be doing something and if i if i needed my dad's attention i wouldn't just say dad i might say dad if it wasn't real like an emergency but if I was hurt, and if it was an emergency, I was running to my dad, and I would say, Dad! You understand what I'm saying? Have you ever done that? Dad! I'm yelling. And my dad would come running. What's the matter? What is it? It's like an emergency. I mean, it's, it's like, this is urgent. The call out was out of urgency. And when you call out to the Father, when God sees the urgency and He sees that it's an emergency, He says, you call out to me and I will, I'll hear and I will answer you. What God is saying is, I will, I will respond. I will respond to you. I see where you are. I will respond to you. So, God says, you call to me, I will respond, I will answer. Deuteronomy chapter 4 was way before Jeremiah even existed and God said these words, Seek the Lord your God and you will find Him if you search after Him with all your heart, with all of your soul. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently. Those who seek me diligently will find me. Diligently is kind of like on purpose, it's urgent, it's an emergency, it's got to happen. There's no other choice. It's not an option. We're seeking Him diligently. So God's invited us into a relationship with Him. And the only way that that relationship can be strong is if there's communication. Strong relationships are established on the basis of strong communication. Did you know that? Strong marriages are strong because there's strong communication. Strong friendships are strong because there's strong communication. Church staffs are strong because there's strong communication. Every issue I have in my life, I can boil down to a communication issue. 
If I have a problem with God, it's usually a communication issue. Because I hear what God's saying, yet I choose not to believe it and live my life contrary to what He says. God's never wrong. God never changed His mind about what He had to say. He said, my word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It will never change. The flowers will fade, the the grass will fall, or vice versa, however that's worded. But my word will stand forever. So establish on strong communication. He's invited us into this dialogue with Him, into this relationship with Him as our Lord, as our God. And what we know is that when we begin to speak to God, God will listen. And if we will listen, God will speak to us. And I know there are a lot of you here today saying, hey, I never really hear God speak to me. God doesn't speak to me. And I understand exactly where you are because I have been there. I've been there. I was there a lot in my life. And what I had to realize is that God was speaking to me. I just wasn't recognizing His voice or I didn't like what He had to say and I turned Him away. What I've also found is in communication, well here, you may not know this, but I like to talk about myself. Anybody else out there like to talk about yourself? You can admit it. There's some humble people that will confess right now. We like to talk about ourselves. We like to talk about our kids. We like to brag on them. We like to tell stories from our past. And, you know, um, I remember my pastor's wife, she was one that would just, she talked all the time and she always brag on her kids. It didn't matter what you were talking about. You could be talking about a hurricane in Alaska if that ever happened. And she would turn it into something good about her kids. She loved to talk about herself and her own life. And you're like, oh my gosh, again? Are you kidding me? You you understand what I'm talking about. We're that way in relationship with one another. And what I found is that, you know, we we tell the stories about ourselves, and then as we kind of wind down what we're saying, you've got this other person over here you're communicating with, and they immediately start talking about themselves. And you're like, did you hear a word that I just said? And the answer is no, because they were thinking about what they were going to say as soon as you shut up. As soon as you stop talking, they're talking about themselves. And it's that way with God a lot of times that when God starts talking, we jump into what am I going to say next? Because we're so self-centered on what we need and what we want and what we what we want to see God do in our life. And we, we get in this little box. Our little selfish box. And we, we box God out. And we really can't hear what God wants to say just because we're simply not listening. He says to be still. Be still. Wait patiently. And when we be still and wait patiently, God will speak. And when God speaks and you hear, it will change your life. We just have to believe that the invitation is real. That he didn't just invite prophets and priests and kings and preachers and holy people into a relationship with him so he could speak to them. God has called the lowliest of the low. If you go back and look and see who God used, the mightiest, it was the lowliest of the low. It was the humblest. It was those from the lowest tribe. It was those from the poorest village. It was those who came from a very, very meager beginning. 
that God raised up to do mighty things for him. He extends the invitation. We just have to believe that if we call on him, that he will answer. second thing I want you to see is that prayer, prayer brings us into the communication. But second, prayer connects my heart to God's heart. A lot of us would say, hey, I don't understand what God's doing. A lot of times we don't understand what God's doing is because we don't have that heart connection with him. And we're talking about a heart connection. We're talking about intimacy. It's seeing into who God really is. It's, it's knowing his character. It's knowing his nature. It's seeing how God worked in the past and how he was faithful, how he was good and how he was gentle. Yeah, I know that God was, was very judging. There's, God was a judge for a reason. God is a judge for a reason. But God loves and God cares and he's gentle and he's, he's nice. Do you know God's nice? God was nice before Jesus ever came and died on the cross. I mean, like Noah and Abraham and Isaac, those guys, they were friends of God. They were God's friends. God was nice. God loves his people. And God wants us to have a connection with him. God wants us to know his heart. God wants us to know the deepest, darkest things. The things that are hidden. He wants to reveal. You know, who tells you their deepest secrets? The people you know the best. If you're married, it should be your spouse. My wife and I, I believe now, we know just about everything there is to know about one another. We will celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary on Wednesday. Amen. Amen. And we look forward to 20 more and 20 after that and eternity together. Man, it's, it's awesome to have that kind of relationship with a person. But can you imagine how awesome it would be to have that kind of relationship with God? God wants to tell you secrets, things that you've never known. And you know, when it says that He wants to tell us greater things and the things that are hidden, I don't believe that they're greater in that they're better. I believe when he says greater, he doesn't mean better, he means bigger. So God wants to give us a greater perspective. He wants to give us the big picture. He wants to bring it into view for us to see uh, more clearly what he's doing. You know, if you've got a ground level view and you're walking through the forest, your, your view is limited. You don't know what to expect behind every tree that exists in the forest. But if you get in a helicopter and you fly above the forest, man, you can see all kinds of wildlife. You can see all kinds of things happening. And the cool thing is, is you can see it all at once. That's the kind of view that God has of this world. And that's the kind of view God has of your life. And that's the kind of perspective God wants to give you. And you can have that if you have an intimate relationship with him. So God wants to give us a greater perspective. And then God wants to give us a greater purpose. It's a bigger purpose. It's a bigger, it's a bigger piece of the pie. As we have a vision for what he's wanting to do, he helps us to see our part in it. And it changes our perspective in life. We, be, we begin to come alongside of God and partner with him in what he's doing instead of always questioning what God is doing. We believe in his promise. We stand upon his promise because we have a heart connection with God. Listen to what God said to, and you, you'll know these verses. Listen to what God said to the people 
of Israel, or the people of Judah, through Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you. You know this passage, right? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. I know it says welfare. But that's not exactly what he means in our term. He means welfare, but what he means is you will fare well. He doesn't mean that you're going to get food stamps and a free cell phone. He doesn't mean that you're going to get free health care. That's not what he means. He doesn't mean that you don't have to work. He said you're going to fare well. And this is what he means. You're going to fare well, not for evil, but to give you a future and a hope. What he's saying is, I know. I'm giving you a better perspective, a bigger perspective here. I want you to know that I have your future and your hope nailed down. It's secured. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. You know what he's saying right there? Is if you knew what I know, you would never doubt me and you would come and talk to me all the time. I have your future nailed down. So come and let's do this. Let's talk. Let's, let's build this relationship. Let's get close together. Let's, let's love on one another. That's what he's saying to the people. And he says, you will seek me and find me. And when you seek... You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And he spoke these words first to Jeremiah the prophet to go and tell to the people of Judah what God had to say. This is where it's really awesome to be the prophet. Because he got the words first. He got them first. And I just have to believe that he heard those words and he believed them for himself. Can you hear that in terms of God speaking to you individually? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. What God is saying here is that you can have a relationship with Him that's real and personal. You can have a heart connection with the God of the universe. That though He is far away, yet He is near. All at the same time. Our minds cannot grasp the infinite expansive existence of God. But here's all you need to know is that if you'll draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. And He will show you hidden things that you've never known because He has a heart to connect with you in a way you've never experienced. Someone once said, that the best thing about prayer is God. The best thing about prayer is God. Can you imagine what it would be like if, if we prayed not to get what we want and to get what we need, but just to get God? To get more of God each and every time? To know God a little bit deeper? To know a little bit more about Him? To see Him work in a little bit different way? To see God's heart turn toward us in a way that we've never experienced. To see God begin to work on our behalf. 
because we're not because we're asking, but because we're not asking. Have you ever thought about that? When my kids don't ask for things, I want to give them things. When we don't beg God for things, God wants to lavish us and bless us because it's about the heart. It's not about the request. He says, ask and I'll give it to you. But what if we don't ask and God just sees the heart of a willing, obedient servant? Don't you think he would be much more inclined to give? As we're calling out to him and drawing closer to him just because we want more of God? Prayer connects us to the heart of God. And last is this, is that prayer creates in me a deeper trust in God. Prayer creates in me a deeper trust in God. The closer I get, the closer and more deeper I'm connected to God, the deeper I will trust God. Because relationships are, are based on trust, but trust is established on two things. Trust is established on time spent and truth spoken. Not, I'm not talking about just the truth of God's word, but upon the truth of who we are and the truth of who God is. It's a, I'm talking about authenticity, being authentically you and God being authentically him. By the way, God is always authentically him. God's not a hypocrite. God's not hiding behind a mask. It's about authenticity. It's about vulnerability. It's about openness. It's about sharing who you are with God and holding nothing back. It's about transparency. Being completely honest with God. When we acknowledge who we really are with God, it draws us into a deeper relationship with Him. And as we share more of who we are, God reveals more of who He is and it builds trust. And we trust Him as we walk through life. Oswald Chambers says, Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. See, when we deeply love and deeply trust, we're easily led. And God's called us to trust Him. We're not going to know all the answers. We're not going to always understand the big picture that we see. But we'll more easily follow as we trust more in God. When I look at the life and ministry of Jeremiah, I relate to it because one struggle he had was looking at the circumstances and getting really down, disillusioned, and depressed about the current state of affairs. This is what he says in Jeremiah chapter 20, way before he went through what I just read to you in that story in verse, chapter 33, verse 3. This is authenticity. This is vulnerability. This is transparency. Oh Lord! Crying out. Oh Lord! You misled me! How many have ever said that to God? Oh Lord, you misled me, he says. And I allowed myself to be misled. I've been duped. You conned me, God. You are stronger than I am and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak the words, when I speak the words burst out, violence and destruction 
I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in His name, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I've heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten. If you say anything, we will report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say. And then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Verse 13, it's not on the screen, but he says this. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord, for though I was poor and needy, He rescued me from my oppressors. Do you know God like that? Can you talk to God like that? It doesn't seem natural and it doesn't seem normal. There are two people I have a relationship with. You know them fairly well. Fred Matlack and Adam Matlack. Now I'm going to take, I'm going to give you this story and then we're going to close. I'm going to take the liberty to share a little bit about their life. They are father and son. Now let me go to another place. I am a son and I have a father and I am very careful how I speak to my father because I don't want to disrespect my father. Truthfully, I've never felt the freedom to just come before my father and say, you misled me. And I allowed myself to be misled. Never really felt the freedom to do that with my father. The first time I ever heard Adam Matlack and Fred Matlack have a conversation, I believe I pulled Adam aside and said, hey, you do not need to be speaking to your father like that. Adam started laughing. He told his father, and they laughed at me. And they said, he just doesn't understand. And that's the way they communicate. They set each other straight. They have conversation. They have dialogue. I believe there's deep love in the relationship. They're just free to be open and share who they really are. And I appreciate that. It's a little weird. I don't quite connect with it. But I appreciate the fact that Adam can come to his father and be just who he is. And his father loves that. We have a father that we can come to and we can freely and constantly engage him in a relationship and be authentically who we are in prayer. And he loves that. He loves it. And he's desperate for it. Maybe you don't pray that way. Maybe you don't approach God that way. Maybe you've never understood it or experienced it. But I've come to learn that that's who God is. And that's what God wants.
And he wants it not just from prophets and preachers and holy people. He wants it from people just like me and you. Just normal people. Because he does care. He does care. He does want it. He desperately, he desperately is calling you. He says, hey, if you will call unto me, I will answer. And I'll show you great and hidden things that you've never known. Don't you want that from God? I know I do. Let's stand together.